0: The Fox News Radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian, kill me. Thanks
1: so much, everyone. Thanks so much, everyone, for being here and being with us today. It's going to be a wild week, I can guarantee it. And I will also, there we go I will also make sure uh, that your voice is heard one 408 I want to go inside the campaign Corey Lewandowski has been with the president every step of the way over the last few days Dave Bossy as well, they have a book together But he's going to be out and bring us insight Now I've talked to Corey before and he felt when the campaign was disjointed And not seen from the same hymn sheet That is not the way he feels today I'll, uh, I'll assure you And I'll tell you what I don't know what's going to happen with this election. Nobody really does. They can pretend to know. But I have to salute the president of the United States. I don't think anybody has ever worked harder for re-election or election, ever. And if you look at what he's got on the on the calendar today, Allentown, Pennsylvania, then Littitz, Lilitz, uh, Pennsylvania, and then Martinsburg, Pennsylvania. OK, battleground state. The next day, he's going to be in Michigan, Wisconsin, and New Hampshire. Oh, is that it? really no excuse me nebraska and then on wednesday he's going to be in arizona Uh, he's got two events in arizona while the vice president's fanned out where is joe biden get a pen ready nowhere today taking another day off he thinks he won already he hasn't let's get to the big three
0: now with the stories you
2: need to know
0: it's brian's
2: big three number three The Supreme Court is expected to have nine justices again by tonight. The Senate is ready to confirm Appeals Court Judge Amy Coney Barrett to replace Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who died last month.
1: Uh, Here we go. Supreme vote. Amy Coney Barrett is uh, set to get uh, into the Supreme Court. That'll be tonight. What will this mean for the legacy, the election, and the incomprehensible imprint of the Trump team on the U.S. court system? Number two.
3: Overnight, another 60,000 new cases of coronavirus were reported across the country. There were single-day records of over 80,000 cases on Friday and Saturday. Right now, not a single state in the U.S. is trending in the right direction.
1: COVID cases are climbing at home and they're climbing abroad. Is this the issue the election turns on? Two choices, fight through it or hide from it. We're going to look at more and more nations that are dealing with the China virus that will not go away.
4: Number one. And the real question is going to be, when Joe Biden made the comment about the oil and gas industry, as we sit in Pennsylvania um, at that debate, um, is that going to be a difference maker here in Pennsylvania? He's now said it and he challenged the president to put video up saying he wanted to get rid of fracking. And the president put about four different clips up there on that.
1: It's unbelievable. Eight days in county until Election Day while Biden strolled through October. Trump rallied and the polls are beginning to show it. But the press and social media and celebrities are more into Sleepy Joe. Putting a lid on it and all, that's Joe, is a a win even possible, we'll examine. So the president of the United States, we know, has been working real hard. We also know he's done interviews with Chris Wallace, Jonathan Swan, all types of tough interviews. done, I guess you could say, Savannah Guthrie. And I guess you could bring up George Stephanopoulos. Even town halls have been adversarial. And you could honestly say the first debate was adversarial in many ways. So now, after a really good debate and having fun on the stump, things are beginning to change for him. CBS poll, a virtual dead heat. And I know it's tracking virtual dead heat in Florida and North Carolina as well as Georgia. Now, he won those states before. Sure. Sure. And the president's got trouble with everything that he's done over the last four years, with the headwinds that he's had, going over 45 percent approval rating. Not much has changed. You know, he barely won Florida, but he won it. He won North Carolina, but he won it. It was not a big win in Georgia, but he won it. So there's Senate races there that's going to be tough, especially in North Carolina and Georgia. But the president's beginning to track upwardly. Now, you see some Republican-friendly Rasmussen-Trafagar uh, polls, and they look fantastic. I'm not looking to buy into them right now, but it goes to show you in the big picture, somewhat of a trend. Is there hope? I don't think there's any question uh, there is hope. Joe Biden and Donald Trump sat down for doing interviews on 60 Minutes. If you want something that's more emblematic of how the press treats both campaigns, that is it. Trump has taken one hard question after another and after 30 minutes, he goes, you know what, Can can I be done? I got two events tonight. I got a country to run. Here's Joe Biden, though. Cut six. For example, I think we have to
5: fundamentally change the way in which we deal with um, uh, institutional racism. For example, uh, one of the hardest things is beyond police issues. There's the issue of accumulation of wealth. There's an awful lot of black Americans who are equally as, as qualified as white Americans based on the same status they're in in terms of their economic opportunity, but they don't get a chance. So, for example, if we just made every corporation pay a minimum 15% tax, you got 91 pay no tax. That raises over $400 billion. I can send every single qualified person to a four-year college in their state for $150 billion. I can make sure every single person qualifies community college can go, and we still have a lot of money left over. That's what I mean by significant institutional changes.
1: Okay, so you want to change the tax system, and you want to put the corporations, the enemy, and the evil ones. Great. All right. What makes you think they're in financial aid in the system to send somebody to a four-year college? If anybody who knows financial aid who spent any time trying to get a kid or get yourself into college knows, it's not money that really stops you from going. Now, if you qualify for a college and Yale says you got to pay the full $70,000 and your state school says, no, you can get in for 18 you are probably going to go to the state school, I still think you're going to be okay. But you qualify for an incredible amount of financial aid, especially if you're a minority, especially if you're African-American, especially if you have the grades to get into a Yale, a Harvard, a Cambridge, or wherever you choose to go. So I am just really worried about that mindset. And then the minimum wage, when it comes to minimum wage, nobody thinks, let's hold poor people down. But entry-level wages, if you jack that up, you're not going to, you're going to directly hurt small businesses. You jack everybody up that was making $18, $15. Now, they make $22. Then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it doesn't make sense to keep that deli, that restaurant, that dry cleaner open. Why he doesn't understand that, why President Obama never understood that, I don't know. So— The other big question was Kamala Harris. The fact that she's the most liberal person in the Senate, voted by uh, a nonpartisan group, why she gets a total pass about her saying we're going to decriminalize border crossings and private insurance is no longer going to be needed, I am not sure. But she gets it again. Cut nine.
6: What I will do, and I promise you this, and this is what Joe wants me to do, this was part of our deal. I will always share with him my lived experience as it relates to any issue that we confront. And I promised Joe that I will give him that perspective and always be honest
7: with him. And is that a socialist or progressive perspective?
6: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it is the perspective of of a woman who grew up a, a, a black child in America who was also a prosecutor who also has a mother who arrived here at the age of 19 from india who also you know likes (laughs) hip-hop like what do you want to know
1: one thing has nothing to do with the other i don't know where the laughing comes from it doesn't make any sense to me it's like nonsensical nervous laughter so she went on cut 12
7: if you become vice president would you say to a president biden you know what Let's. We should really be pushing for Medicare for all, not a public option. That's just not going to do it. That's not my value.
6: I would not have joined the ticket if I didn't support what Joe was proposing. Our plan includes expanding on everything that Joe, together with President Obama, created with the Affordable Care Act.
1: So, uh, what were you saying, Allison, about the numbers?
8: Oh, for the cut, cut six from Joe Biden saying where he said we could send everyone to school for, um, in their state, for $150 billion. After the interview, Biden's campaign corrected it with 60 Minutes saying um, Biden misspoke and it could be um, as much as double as that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't even know. That's not the issue. I mean, if you want to talk about primary education and be having a a school choice or upgrading the public school system in rundown areas or finding another calculus besides uh, besides real estate taxes to fund schools in low income areas. Obviously, not enough. Not enough money goes to schools subsidized by in some states, but not others. Game on, but he's just all over the place. And when he's pressed on certain issues, well, if, to tell you the truth, if I'm Joe, if I'm Joe Biden's people, i will do exactly what he's doing. Keep him out of it. Keep him out of the way, because over the weekend he came out so angry almost all the time, and he just yelling and shouting. And there's one other time which Jill, his wife, is talking, and he's pacing back and forth as if he doesn't know he's on stage. Maybe because he's in front of forty cars, where the president's in front of maybe. 15,000 people outdoors, 1-866-408-7669. We'll come back, talk more about that. I also want to talk about the COVID, uh, COVID cases uh, that are rising. Now, uh, Mark Meadows said something somewhat controversial over the weekend, but maybe he was just telling the truth. When you look at the cases rising in our country, the numbers are pretty uh, pretty astounding. They are going just like they are in Europe. Uh, the U.S. cases uh, are now of COVID-19, 80,000. On Saturday, there was, uh, was 83,718 new cases reported. Friday, be, uh, two days before that, uh, which was 83,757. So seven plus states reported record one-day totals. Now, the good news is we have therapeutics for that, and we're getting treatment, and we know what to do and what not to do. But in 14 days, deaths were up 12 percent. Cases were up 32 percent overall. Well, here's the thing to keep in mind. Nobody in the Western world seems to have this. Remember, for the longest time, if we were just as disciplined as Europe, we wouldn't have the problems we're having now. Guess what? Germany, widely lauded for initially handling of the virus, reported a huge surge of its own, and crackdowns have begun to happen. The number of coronavirus cases in Poland has doubled over the last three weeks. In Spain, they have now imposed new restrictions and a curfew at 11 o'clock. In Italy, there were riots in Rome because they're closing gyms, closing restaurants, closing pools, closing theaters, and closing the movies. So... Tell me where it's going up. In Russia, it's going up. It's whatever they put out. It's probably four times as much. So what Mark Meadows is saying and came out with Jake uh, with Jake Tapper, which I'm not really sure why he goes on there, but he goes on with Jake Tapper. And he got himself into a little bit of controversy by saying, essentially, uh, look, we got to learn to live with this. This is uh, this is uh, let's listen.
9: Here's Uh, what we have to do. We're not going to control the pandemic. We are going to control the fact that we get uh, vaccines, therapeutics, and other mitigation Why aren't we going to get control of the because, pandemic? Because it is a contagious virus, just like the flu. Yeah, but why not it's make cont- efforts to contain it? Well, we are making efforts to contain it. By running man, all over the
10: country not wearing a mask? Jake, that's what the vice president is doing. We can, we can get doing. into the
9: back, back and forth. Let, let me just say this. Is what we need to do is make sure that we have the proper mitigation factors, whether it's therapies or vaccines or treatments, to make sure that people don't die from this.
1: Until we get a vaccine, is that really the answer? Because Joe Biden is saying the same thing as the president. I want a national mask mandate. Really? Good luck with that. I want national programs. I want national money. I want money in the national standard when it comes to schools. It's not really where our system's built. You got twelve people in Montana per grade. You have seven, uh, you know, seven, uh, maybe a thousand in big cities like Los Angeles per grade. You want the same policies? What we did is empowered the mayors and governors. So the president. So do you think Joe Biden's got the answer? Do you think Macron has the answer? Do you think Boris Johnson has the answer? Do you think Vladimir Putin has the answer? Do you really believe there's no cases in China? The only one that we can learn from is Taiwan, but that's a small island, and it's an island little different than 50 states, I would think. Maybe you don't agree. We're going to come back and take your calls and the bottom of the hour inside the campaign with Corey Lewandowski. Word is the president's closing in in just about all the states that he won last time and making some gains in Minnesota. Don't move.
0: Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade.
11: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five
7: days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at quiz.fox, and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.
1: As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of.
0: Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian
4: Kilmeade Show. I think what you've seen, though, in places like Pennsylvania and Florida, that since the last election, voter registration by Republicans in those key states is two to three times as great as it was with Democrats. And we also know that because of some of the things the president has said about mail-in voting, that Republicans have been slower in returning those ballots.
1: And that's true. And what you're seeing is uh, 58 million people go for early voting, and that's great. And most of them, uh, the majority, are Democrats. Sure, in uh, registered Democrats, we don't know what they do when they go in the booth, obviously. Uh, and but it's ticking up. Something like 54% of the people going in are Democrats, but taking up to 32% are Republicans. It was at 23%. So little by little, there's more Republican presence there. And I just think that anyone who thinks the president is out is not paying attention. Moving up in Florida, moving up in North Carolina, moving up in Georgia, all within the margin of error. There's also some signs of movement in Arizona, but it's going to help. It's going to really be tough to get Martha McSally over the edge. But kind of interesting, even though she's running against an astronaut, Mark Kelly, it looks like Buzz Aldrin is endorsing the fighter pilot Martha McSally. Interesting. Wesley, listen on WPTF in North Carolina. Hey, uh, Wesley.
12: Hey, Brian. Good morning. Uh, fantastic to talk to you. Thanks for taking my call. I just I called immediately upon hearing Kamala Harris's cackle during that interview, and it, it made me laugh because it immediately reminded me of a similar cackle by another Obama presidential protege, who was Hillary Clinton. And I think it would be hilarious if, if you could to juxtapose those two segments and get the same laughter when they're when both candidates are asked uncomfortable questions about their politics that they don't want to answer. Their you know, their lifeline is this laughter that is really
1: apropos of nothing. Yeah.
13: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, yes. <laughs> you got it. It's just <laughs> thank it's you, Ryan. She's an overlaugher. They're both over
12: Totally, totally. And Brian, can I can I actually make one other point that I didn't tell your Go screener? Ahead. Thank you. Uh, I, I noticed that the media blackout, the mainstream media blackout on asking questions of candidates about their support for Antifa and black and BLM held all through the debates. Not one moderator asked either Canada, about Antifa or no, BLM. No, they it's, did just, they President, didn't exist. President
1: Trump answered. President Trump said, my first encounter with Black Lives Matter is pigs in a blanket, roast them, roast them like bacon. And the president's answer should be um, for the concept, but not for the organization. The organization is extremely dicey. And the word is, those that civil unrest got so bad and was so bad for Democrats, word went out, knock it off. And you don't hear much of that anymore.
12: You really yes, I agree. I totally agree. Uh, and go get him it's, it's more. I appreciate
1: it. I got I have to move on. Uh Wesley, uh Ron in Jacksonville, W O K V Ron. Hey, how you doing today? Good. What'd you think of sixty minutes?
14: I used to respect sixty minutes. Now I think they're a bunch of clowns just like all the other
15: media. Yeah. You know, it was such a contentious uh interview with Trump till he had a walk off. And O'Donnell had a very polite uh, professional conversation with Biden. If you know you see the difference between the two interviews. Yep. And when she when she dared to bring up um, Hunter, she basically put Russian collusion in his mouth, and they went with it.
2: Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Roe. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio.
1: Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. <laughs> His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you
2: want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you are subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share.
15: You know, so Russian asked, collusion question, has nothing to do with answer. her. Hmm? Yeah. And and as you played, what is Harris laughing about all the time? I'm just thinking, if this woman ever became president, heaven help us. There'll I mean, be nobody to around. her own. in.
1: She let her record be known. It was rejected by Democrats. It was too, rec- too radical for Democrats. And now she's doing all the campaigning while talking about Joe Biden's program. She campaigns but doesn't talk about herself. She talks about Joe Biden, which is fine because her record does not stand. She didn't even prethink any of her program. She got caught trying to, uh, try to go deep on anything from health care to defense. She has no idea. It's not that she's not intelligent. She's not putting the work in. Appreciate the call. Thanks, Mark. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to Corey Lewandowski. Reports are from Pennsylvania, extremely good. And when you talk about what the what Joe Biden did with the fracking, he really got himself in trouble there because no one really buys that He's not going to ban fracking. And when we come back, too, I'll play AOC. She weighed in on fracking, and she plans on pushing him to the left. She makes no uh, qualms about it, and she will be able to digest fracking for now. But she says it's really, really bad for us.
13: new from the fox news podcasts network
7: my name is kennedy and welcome to my podcast which will i humbly say single-handedly save the world you're welcome
13: it's kennedy saves the world subscribe and listen now by going to FoxnewsPodcasts.com.
0: the fastest three hours in radio you're with brian kilmeade
4: you know, we're going to have a, a, an interesting last nine days, but certainly the president's the underdog as we sit here this morning. And if he weren't worried about that, then he wouldn't be. Uh, he wouldn't be thinking.
1: Uh, That is uh, Governor Christie yesterday, and he was one of the few people on any other network outside Fox to bring in a perspective from the president. He feels like he's the underdog, but he's not done at all. And Corey Lewandowski knows the situation on the ground. Uh, First uh, Trump campaign uh, manager and now senior advisor and co-author of this new book. It's excellent. Trump, America first. The president succeeds against all odds. Corey, welcome back.
11: Hey Brian, thanks for having me back.
1: So, what's changed over the last week, if anything? I know the president seems so much happier on the stump. I think he's uh, loving the material he's gotten from the debate. What could you could you bring us inside the campaign? Our listeners inside the campaign.
11: You know, Brian, the president is a happy warrior on the campaign trail. You know, there are some candidates who don't like to campaign. This president loves to campaign. You see it every day when he was out there. I traveled with him yesterday. We did a stop in New Hampshire. We flew up to Maine for what's called an off-the-record where he bought some pumpkins and some squash. And uh, he was so happy. And then all the way back home to Washington, D.C., he just came in the back of the plane, and we spent the whole time flying. He's happy. He loves being on the campaign trail. He loves interacting with people. And look, I think for a lot of people, the last debate was a turning point. The president was so spot on when he asked Joe Biden about uh, fossil fuels, and are you going to get rid of oil? And Joe Biden basically said yes. And because of that, This president is in Pennsylvania for three stops today. I think Joe Biden made a tragic mistake. We're gonna look back on this presidential election cycle. Joe Biden's been trying to run out the clock. We're gonna look back on that debate, and they're gonna say, that is the inflection point, that is the turning point, that changed the, the future of this debate because Joe Biden continuously now has to answer for that statement he made, because the truth is he does want to get us off of fossil fuels, and that's tens of millions of jobs in this country.
1: Here is uh, what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had to say about what she wants Joe Biden to do. Cut eight.
3: You know, I believe that it's critically important that the Biden administration appoint progressive leaders, whether it's in labor, whether it's in in the Treasury, whether it's, you know, Secretary of Education, et cetera. But this is about making sure how, how are we going to not just make up for lost time, but leap into the future.
1: She also doesn't like fracking. She says she'll deal with it, but she doesn't like fracking. We're getting a sense now what it's going to be like in there.
11: Biden. Brian, let's just be clear. if if, Obama, if Biden wins and Kamala Harris comes in, it's not just them. It is clearly AOC, it's Rashid Tlaib, it's all of the far leftists, it's Bernie Sanders who are coming in to change our country. They have a fundamentally different view of this country than Donald Trump and the conservatives do. They believe that if you're a small business owner you didn't build it. They believe that government is the solution and not the problem. They believe a bigger more robust government is better. We fundamentally disagree with all of those things and they believe that if we put uh, coal miners and uh, oil and gas companies out of business and and go back to the days where we're reliant on foreign entities, foreign countries, for our energy consumption, that we're going to be better off. They don't remember what took place in the Jimmy Carter years because AOC wasn't alive then. She hasn't done her history. She doesn't remember the long gas lines. But let me tell you something. What's been very clear is that if Joe Biden gets in, we're headed towards $6 a gallon gasoline, and in my home state of New Hampshire – Home heating oil, which is what most of us use to heat our homes, is going to go through the roof and people are going to have a really tough time if Joe Biden becomes the president of the United States.
1: So CBS Battleground tracker uh, poll has basically Georgia dead heat, Biden uh, a two point advantage in uh, Florida and a a three point advantage in North Carolina. He also, uh, Biden plans aggressive campaigns now in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, North Carolina, and Florida. Uh, and he's going to add in Georgia and Texas with all the money he has. What do you think of those polls, CBS polls? What does that mean to the to the, your crew?
11: So, so here's what I've got, Brian. I just want to be crystal clear on what the polling data indicates. So the UGov CBS polling firm, the firm that they use also does polling for Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, and uh, Cory Booker. So that's who that polling firm is. This isn't hyperbole. These are factual issues, which means they're a left-leaning polling company. We, I, I will be willing to bet you a nice dinner somewhere that uh, Donald Trump is not going to lose in the state of Texas. He's not going to lose in the state of Georgia. This is partial suppression by these companies. They come out and they say Donald Trump is going to lose. So you know they're trying to get the Republicans to stay home. We've seen this four years ago. Four years ago, on October 24th, the headline in the Washington said, Donald Trump's chances are approaching zero. That's what their headline was. It's complete suppression of the Republican vote, but it fires up our base. They see, it has the opposite effect, Brian. And I can tell you right now, you go look at that same polling firm, that uh, YouGov uh, CBS polling firm. They had an analysis that we handed out yesterday on Air Force One of the people who have not yet voted in the battleground states. I believe it specifically was Florida and Georgia and North Carolina. Donald Trump is winning 58 to 40 in Florida. Joe Biden is not going to win Florida. He's not going to win Georgia. He's not going to win Texas. Our spine of our campaign includes us winning in North Carolina, which we will do. Right now, our delta in North Carolina, meaning the number of people who voted for Democrat, uh, the Democrat ballots have been returned over the Republicans, is smaller today than it was four years ago when Donald Trump won the state. That is a positive sign for us because the Democrats have historically cannibalized their Election Day voting operation by voting early.
1: Well, what do you think of the Trafalgar group? Because they're one who's uh, accused of being right-leaning. They have Trump winning Michigan by two, Florida by two, Arizona by three. Do you subscribe to
11: those? Well, look, I'll tell you this, Brian. Just as you look at the voter registration side, Michigan doesn't break out. Uh, in, In 2016, at this point, the state of Michigan had not begun yet to break for Donald Trump. We did not lead in one poll in 2016, including up until Election Day. Do I think the races are close? You bet I do. I was in Arizona on Thursday campaigning for Martha McSally. Uh, The enthusiasm was incredible. I was in Dallas last week. I was in Florida last week. I was in Wisconsin last week. Uh, I I can tell you, I've been on the road every day, and I see what's going on out there. Is this going to be a close race? You bet it is. Are we taking anything for granted? Absolutely not. I've seen the president's schedule between now and Election Day, the next eight days. It is not human. There is no human being who should be able to accomplish what he's about to do, the task he's about to undertake. Three stops today and then back to the White House for the swearing-in of, uh, the next associate justice of the Supreme Court. I mean, his schedule is unbelievable. Joe Biden has basically called a lid. He's saying he's going to go to Georgia tomorrow. They're saying he's going to expand the map and he's going to have this hellacious schedule. The guy called a lid yesterday at 11.15 in the morning. This guy's trying to run out the clock and he's going to lose because he's pulling the exact same playbook as Hillary Clinton. He's going to get the exact same results.
1: But Hillary Clinton was better on the stump. Whether he liked her or not, no one questioned her intellect and her A-game. And, and her, uh, her she was in her prime. Listen to Joe Biden unscripted. This is why his people pull him back, in my humble opinion.
5: Chumps with the microphone out there.
1: <clears throat> Look. He called the people that were complaining. I guess there were some Trump supporters in the middle. Look at those. He goes, I'll be a, I'll be a president for all Americans, even those chumps, uh, with the microphone yeah. out there.
11: Really? <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's the equivalent of the deplorables coming from four years ago, right? We were the deplorables. And now we're the chumps. And by the way, I'm proud to be a chump, and I was proud to be deplorable. And there are tens of millions of people across this country whose lives are better today because of Donald Trump being the president of the United States. Joe Biden and, – and, and, Brian, I watched you this morning – Joe Biden could not remember, and Cambridge talked about it, if he was running against some guy by the name of George. And I don't know if he meant George Washington or maybe George W. Bush or maybe George H.W. Bush. You guys have been around a long time. But he couldn't remember that his opponent's name in this race is Donald. It's not a tricky name to remember. He's got a 100% name ID, and he thought he was running against a guy by the name of George. I mean, come on, man. Come on.
5: What kind of country are we going to be? Four more years of George, uh, George, uh, he's uh, going to find ourselves in a position where if uh, Trump gets elected, uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be in a different world.
1: So uh, we should tell George Bush this because he wanted to stay out of politics because he wanted to retire um so I mean, right right you're assuming he meant george bush i think he might have been <laughs> meaning george
11: washington has been around <laughs> so long. i don't know
1: we'll see so the other uh, major issue which is going to make a break the campaign is the pandemic as you know it'll be a totally different race and nobody has to tell you that corey lewandowski if the pandemic wasn't happening but now we're watching numbers surge all throughout europe throughout brazil throughout russia And the numbers are growing here, up substantially, like 240% since September 1st. Here's a man who used to be a part of the administration, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, Cut24.
11: We're at a dangerous tipping point right now. We're entering what's going to be the steep slope of the curve of the epidemic. We know what that looks like from the spring. We know what it looks like from the summer. These cases are going to continue to build. There's really no backstop here. I don't see forceful policy intervention happening anytime soon. Um, We have a moment of opportunity right now to take some forceful steps to try to abate the spread that's underway. But if we don't do that, if we miss this window, this is going to continue to accelerate and it's going to be more difficult to get under control.
1: So nobody wants the pandemic to take anybody else's lives. We do. We have improved in treating that. We get it. But I have not seen a template to control the virus. Did Mark Meadows slip? Or do you feel the same way that we're not going to control the virus? We have to buy time, basically, until we get a vaccine or a therapeutic.
11: Well, look, Brian. This administration has done everything possible to try and rein this virus in. You know, Operation Warp Speed, which is coming up with that uh, solution to this problem, has been well underway, and we fast track that. And therapeutics are working. But the other thing is this, Brian, and no one wants to give this administration credit for it. They have tested 120 million people. That's almost you know one-third of the U.S. population that has been tested for this virus. So the more testing we're going to do, of course, the more people who are going to test positive. That being said, We are not tracking, by and large, on a daily basis that I can ever remember, how many people catch influenza or how many people catch the common flu. We don't do that. We are concerned, of course, everybody should be concerned about potentially uh, dying from the virus if you are in one of those high-risk categories. So if you're predisposed to that, you should take all the necessary precautions. But this notion that we're going to continue to keep our schools closed and our borders open – which is what the Democrats want to do when the survival rate, if you're under uh, about 65 years old, is somewhere north of 99.95%. So, look, we have to live our lives. The easy thing to do is to simply close down and shut down the economy. But what does that mean, Brian? We're hearing now the World Health Organization is saying that those closures are disproportionately hurting the most, uh, the, the people who have the most to lose, which means the poor, because they're disproportionately being impacted by that. We have to make sure people can continue to provide for their families. Do I wanna take the chance of catching COVID-19? Of course not. I was tested yesterday before I joined Air Force One. But that being said, if it came down to catching that or having the opportunity for me to go and provide for my family through a job, Brian, I'm gonna take my chance because I have to provide for my family every single day. And so do tens of millions or hundreds of millions of Americans. So we're doing more testing than anybody else. We've done a great job. We don't hear about the hospitals being overrun anymore with COVID patients. You don't hear about a lack of ventilators. The real issue with the hospitals, Brian, is because of the world of COVID-19, many of them are going bankrupt because there are no elective surgeries. There have been no elective surgeries taking place. So we have to remember, you can't let the solution be worse than the problem.
1: I hear you. Corey, where are you going today?
11: Uh, Actually, today, I'm so fortunate we have the bus tour coming through New Hampshire. So, Brian, I get to sleep in my own bed last night. How awesome is that? But um, we get the bus tour coming through New Hampshire tomorrow, so I'm home today, and then I'm back down to Florida, and I'm in Pennsylvania uh, uh, this week. And then I've got another stop in Wisconsin. So, look, we are raring to go. I'm excited. Everybody is out on the trail right now. Eight days to go. Uh, This is for the soul and the future of our country is what we're fighting for, and I do it, Brian, because my kids aren't old enough to vote, and I want to turn my country over to them better than it was turned over to me.
1: Well, the president wants you to turn over New Hampshire. He's still trailing in New Hampshire. Why?
11: Well, we are, and and look, this is always going to be a battleground state. This is a state that the president lost by just under 2,800 votes. Four years ago when the people of New Hampshire didn't know him as well as they do now. It was a state that at the time we didn't have a unified Republican Party. We had 18,000 people through the magnetometers yesterday at the, in New Hampshire. We had another 8,000 outside that couldn't get into the magnetometers at the airport rally. That's about 25 or 26,000 people who came out to see Donald Trump on what was a relatively chilly October day in New Hampshire. Then we went up to Maine, Brian, Four thousand people showed up at what's called an off-the-record where the president went up to buy some pumpkins. Uh, it was an amazing sight, right. and I, the, the the enthusiasm is just incredible. It's bigger and better than it was in '16, and he's going to shock the world again.
1: All right, Corey Lewandowski. I, if you don't mind me saying so, you were not nearly as optimistic six weeks ago as you feel today. So I think people out there expect right. you to be pro-Trump, but they didn't. You never really. You're not a big propaganda guy. You always tell things like they are, and you're feeling optimistic. More optimistic than a year ago?
11: You know, Brian, uh, Four I feel years feel a lot ago? better today than I did. Uh, look, I feel a lot better today because of what we built and the help of the RNC. Am I concerned? Do I worry? You bet I worry every single minute of every day. But I know I get, I'm, I'm on the team of the champion, and this guy's going to fight for it, Brian. I'll tell you what fighting for what you want gets you a point it gets you one extra point and that extra point can make the difference in a state like wisconsin or minnesota or michigan or pennsylvania because the american people want a fighter and they know they've got one with donald trump and he gets one extra point for that
1: all right cory lewandowski who slept in his own bed last night and we were the beneficiary of it he was especially coherent and feisty good job cory you bet Thanks,
11: Brian.
1: Go get them. 1-866-408-7669. More calls as we finish up the first hour. Brian Kilmeade Show Monday.
0: A radio show of the people for
13: the people.
0: You're with Brian Kilmeade.
13: Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
6: As promised, I have saved exactly 60 seconds for climate change, Mr. Vice President. Well, since we're almost out
9: of time, oil, no, wind, yes, fracking, depends on what state I'm in. Yes,
1: Jim Carrey uh, with Joe uh, with Alec Baldwin in their cold open for SNL. They're going to do a live show, I guess, on Election Day. They're going to do five straight weeks of live shows. That'll be a new record for them, first time since 1975.
8: Wow, five. What a record.
1: <laughs> I know. Hey, listen, it's tough. They start from scratch. Hey, uh, Mick, listening in Greenville, South Carolina. Hey, Mick.
14: Hey, Brian, how you doing? Good. Hey, listen, just a quick comment. 70, I'm a 74-year-old lifelong Democrat who voted for Trump four years ago and voted for Trump last Monday. But last night watching O'Donnell on 60 Minutes, she asked Kamala if President Trump was uh, a racist, and her answer obviously was yes, he is. What happened to the follow-up question about a year and a half ago when Kamala called Biden a racist? That
1: would have been wondering. interesting, wouldn't it? How about not telling Joe Biden? Instead, saying Joe, a laptop was dropped off in Delaware. The FBI have had it for a year. Is it your son's laptop? Are there his emails? Are you uh, the big guy listed in this exchange? Did you meet with uh, with any of the business partners in Kazakhstan, in in Ukraine, or China? And the answer is yes on all three. Right,
14: right. Well, anyway, just want to make that
9: comment. Great show, Brian. Thank.
1: Hey, I want you to hear a little of this. This is what scares me about Amy Conan Barrett and what Joe Biden would do if he wins. Cut 31.
5: If elected, what I will do is I'll put together a national commission of bipartisan commission of scholars, constitutional scholars, Democrats, Republicans, liberal, conservative.
1: And by the way, and there's nobody who will serve on that. He will, uh, if elected, to his credit, he never assumes it, but he acts like he's won already. Joe Biden says, I'll put together a commission, a Simpson-Bowles-like commission. I'm going to put Republicans on there, and they're going to decide that the court system is so out of whack, has to be reformed in how to do it. No, it's not. This is the way the system has always worked. Republicans win. Democrats win. They put people in. People retire. That's the way it works. It's out of whack for you, but it's not out of whack for America. This is the way it works. That's scary. He's court-packing.
13: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of the Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you
0: opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade.
1: Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Brian Kilmeach, from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, We'll be coming to you with all the breaking news. Michael Goodwin standing by from the New York Post. Uh, The New York Post today endorsed President Trump. Not many newspapers do, and I'm not sure how much it matters, but for this hometown newspaper that Alexander Hamilton uh, founded, it's a big deal. And it's uh, something that's gotten a lot of national prominence these days because they're the one who broke the story about the emails of Hunter Biden and a possible business deal involving his dad. So before we get to Michael Goodwin, let's get to the big three.
0: Now with the stories you need to know,
2: it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The Supreme Court is expected to have nine justices again by tonight. The Senate is ready to confirm Appeals Court Judge Amy Coney Barrett to replace Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who died last month.
1: Wow, uh, here we go. Supreme Court vote. Amy Coney Bryant, as you just heard, ACB, is about to get onto the Supreme Court and beat the ninth Supreme Court justice. Now, what would that mean for the legacy of the Trump administration? What would that mean for the future packing of the court? We'll talk about it. Number two.
3: Overnight, another 60,000 new cases of coronavirus were reported across the country. There were single-day records of over 80,000 cases on Friday and Saturday. Right now, not a single state in the U.S. is trending in the right direction.
1: COVID cases are climbing at home, but more importantly, abroad, to get a perspective on why they're climbing at home. Is this an election issue? Is this what the election turns on? Two choices, fight through it or hide from it. We're going to look at how... More and more nations are dealing with it. The China virus won't go away.
15: Number one.
4: And the real question is going to be when Joe Biden made the comment about the oil and gas industry as we sit in Pennsylvania um, at that debate, um, is that going to be a difference maker here in Pennsylvania? He's now I said think it so. and challenged uh, could, the president to put video up saying he wanted to get rid of fracking and the president put about four different clips <laughs> up there on that.
1: Yeah, good luck with that. Eight days and counting until Election Day while B- Biden is strolling through October. Uh, Trump rallied and rallied and rallied and the polls beginning to trend his direction. Is there enough time? After all, look what's against him. The media, celebrities, Sleepy Joe put a lid on his campaign early. Hard to make a gap when you don't talk. That's really the premise of what they speak. So let's uh, so we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want you to hear what Joe Biden says he will do if Amy Coney Barrett goes on the Supreme Court. Cut thirty-one.
5: If elected, what I will do is I'll put together a national commission of bipartisan commission of scholars, constitutional scholars, Democrats, Republicans, liberal, conservative. And I will uh, ask them to over uh, 180 days come back to me with recommendations as to how to uh, reform the court system because it's getting out of whack. Um, the way in which it's ha- being handled. And it's not about court packing. There's a number of other things that our constitutional scholars have debated and i would looked to see what recommendations that commission might make.
7: So you're telling us you're going to study this issue about whether to pack the court?
5: No, whether there's a number of alternatives that are go well beyond packing. This is a live ball. Oh, it is a live ball. No, it is a live ball. We're going to have to do that. And you're going to find there's a lot of conservative constitutional scholars are saying it as well. The last thing we need to do is turn the Supreme Court into just a political football. Whoever has the most votes gets whatever they want. Presidents come and go. Supreme Court justices stay for generations.
1: What's different about that? Why are you acting like that's breaking news? It's a live ball. Supreme Court justices, the president put up two. It's going to be three. U.S. Court of Appeals, the president's put forward 53 Got confirmed. U.S. District Court, 162. U.S. Court of International Trade, two. That's a major impact because he won. What are they talking about? Michael Goodwin joins us from New York Post. Hey, Michael. Good morning, Brian. No one's talking about that element of it, but he basically said, I'm going to pack the court, but I'm going to give a commission. 180 days are going to come back. Think they're going to say everything's fine? No. If he wins, they're going to look to pack the court. They're going to look to change. I don't know. They're going to put. Uh, I don't know. Age brackets on them. Then they got to get that approved. They got to change the constitution. What are they going to do?
16: Well, look. I I think this is one of a number of areas where Joe Biden uh, gives this answer that sounds like it'll be a thoughtful traditional kind of conversation, you know, conservatives, liberals, you know, uh, he'll have them all together. The fact is, his administration is going to be run by the far left. And so he may want to, you know, honestly do this. I don't know if, if this is his honest answer or if this is just a placeholder until he wins and then unleash the AOC plus three, as President Trump put it. And I think that's what's going to be the the agenda of a Biden-Harris administration. It's not what Joe Biden says now. It's what the the far left wants to do once it gets a taste of power. And we already saw that with impeachment of Trump. I mean, the far left is the most politicized army uh, of any in the government right now, in or out of the government. And I would just say quickly too, Brian, any study of what's happened to Supreme Court confirmation processes has to include Joe Biden's reckless chairman, Uh, he was chairman of the committee during uh, the Bork hearings. He was chairman of the committee during Clarence Thomas's hearings. Those are, in many ways, the two most notorious hearings, and they set the stage for what has happened uh, ever since. So I I think that you have to go back to the way Democrats treated Republican nominees if you really want to understand how we got where we are.
1: No question. And that's what Lindsey Graham said. You know, you're right. I didn't want to vote for Merrick Garland. I didn't think it was right in the last year. And you can hold me to that. But then when they saw what he did with Kavanaugh, he said, this thing is so politicized. I am not going to give an opening to that mindset. So here is Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer going at it yesterday. Cut 29.
5: How fortunate for our country that the Senate just advanced one of the most qualified nominees for judicial service that we've seen in our lifetimes. Judge Amy Coney Barrett of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit is a stellar nominee in every single respect.
9: The contradiction will be a stain on the leader's forehead and on the entire Republican caucus if it continues.
1: Uh, Nothing's going to stop it today. And it looks like Lisa Murkowski is going to vote for her, too. Only Susan Collins won't. So when that's done, I was struck by the last poll. Fifty-one percent of the public wants to see her confirmed, Michael. She won people over.
16: Oh, yes. Look, I I think the issue is not her qualifications. Uh, You know, in a different era, Brian, she would have gotten 95 votes. Uh, which is what Supreme Court justices normally got. There was, a, there was an even-handed vetting process on qualifications. Now it's become politicized. And so I, I just think that, you know, this irony of one side in Washington accusing the other of playing politics, that's what they do. They're politicians. They play politics. Uh, but I think the, the issue here, Brian, is that it was Harry Reid – the Democratic leader of the Senate under Barack Obama, who lifted the filibuster on circuit court appointments. So you never, you didn't need 60 votes anymore. You only needed a majority. And so then the Republicans, playing tit for tat, eliminated the 60 vote majority requirement on Supreme Court nominations. And so here we go. Yep. Next, the Democrats are going to do it on legislation. And, and I think this is ins- very regrettable, Brian, in the sense that the Senate is not supposed to be like the House. The Senate was designed to be, as people have often said, the cooling saucer of our passions. And it was supposed to be deliberative. It was supposed to be slower. And I think what's happened is that it's now becoming just like the House. And this, is, this, I think, is not going to help heal the divisions in our country. It's only exacerbating them. It's become another forum where they play out. And I think the Democrats, if they want to they act as though time began with Amy Coney Barrett and Donald Trump. No, no. Time began with Bork. It began with Clarence Thomas. It began began with Harry Reid as well. And so I think for Biden to step into this and say, well, we're going to reconsider all this, I think that's just, as I say, another placeholder. This is This is an attempt by the Democrats. They will pack the court. That will be their answer to this because it's their only way. Uh, of making of making a better deal than they got by the way they by the problems they created for themselves with the way they approached this over the years.
1: Fox News contributor, New York Post uh, uh, columnist Michael Goodwin, with us. Michael, the other big story is the coronavirus. They're going up in Germany. There were protests uh, because of restrictions and the crackdowns. In Rome, there were riots because they took they told all the Italians, "Go no more gyms, no more restaurants. Uh, in the U.K., there's huge pushback. I was watching the coverage again this morning, even though cases were up 152 percent. And our cases are going up here. And here is what Mark Meadows said yesterday. Tell me if you think this was a mistake or a message. Cut 22.
9: Here's what we have to do. We're not going to control the pandemic. We are going to control the fact that we get uh, vaccines, therapeutics, and other mitigation Why aren't we going to get there control of the beca- pandemic? Be- because it is a contagious virus, just like the flu. Yeah, but why not it's make contain- efforts to contain it? Well, we are making efforts to contain it. By running all, all invest- over the country
10: and not wearing a mask? Jake, That's what the can, vice president's doing. We can get doing. into the
9: back, back and forth. Let, let me just say this is what we need to do is make sure that we have the proper mitigation factors, whether it's therapies or vaccines or treatments, to make sure that people don't die from this.
1: How do you feel about that? Because nothing's working. In China, they forcibly lock people up. Uh, In Wuhan, we don't really know if it's spreading throughout the country. I have no idea. They lock up scientists who talked about how bad it was. Is that the way to do it? Is the Western world capable of stopping this?
16: Look, I think Jake Tapper reflects the view that if only everybody wore a mask yes. 24 hours a day, uh, nobody would get sick. I mean, it's just a silly thing. And and these shutdowns cannot continue uh, indefinitely. I think that that's the point the president is making. Mark Meadows was not particularly eloquent there, as he rarely is. Uh, and he gave Tapper the opening, which is to just try to torture them and, you know, kill them with a thousand paper cuts uh, by saying we, we can't control it. It's not about control. You know, it, it's, it's containment. I mean, it's very much about when you get these, these outbreaks, then you take these mitigation measures to the next step. But this total lockdown, this total shutdown uh, all the time. And, and look, Meadows is right on one thing, i mean the therapeutics have improved um, not as many not nearly as many people are dying not nearly as many people are hospitalized so something has happened about the virility of this disease it's not it's not quite the killer it was there's also this curious uh, interaction with the flu. That flu cases are way down. So there's something going on, Brian. And I think that the Democrats want to keep playing this gotcha game. I know. Uh, that somehow this this is gold for the Democrats. Well, the one thing, Michael, the more people who die, the better it is for the Democrats. The one
1: thing they kept saying is, look at Europe. Europe took the hard. They buttoned up. You know, they tightened their belts and they sucked it up. And now their sacrifice is paying off. And then we're watching August. And we're watching the numbers rise. We're watching the people. Push back. We're watching other uh, business owners fight back, and I'm saying to myself, "Wow, well, wait a second. Maybe they didn't have it right. Maybe they did. You know, maybe Sweden had it right. On Sweden's getting a second hit anyway, but they didn't destroy yeah. their economy. That's the big difference."
16: Right. And Spain now has a new uh, order of emergency. So it, it is it is there is a kind of a second wave is happening around the world. The United States is clearly not immune. We are the most open country in the world. Uh, and so we're going to get hit. I think the question is, do we you know, I mean, it's the Democrats who have been pouring cold water on a vaccine. Uh, Andrew Cuomo said, well, we're going to check it out in New York. And yeah, you know, I mean, wait a minute. Uh, it's the vaccine, for goodness Sake. so you have this anti-vaccination uh movement among democrats none of none of this makes any sense but it's all about politicizing it's very much like the supreme court we've now politicized the pandemic to where even vaccines are somehow seen as red or blue
1: got it uh, michael goodwin uh, who has endorsed the president well again for president of the united states he used to at uh, one time did say president obama was your choice in 2008 michael goodwin correct. thanks so much
16: my pleasure, Brian.
1: All right. When we come back, your phone call is one 866 408 And we'll continue to ride the news. Uh, not good news in the market. It's, do- it's down about 370 points. Why? I think coronavirus cases are rising, and a deal doesn't look like it's on the horizon.
0: Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
5: From what I've read and know, the intelligence community warned the president that Giuliani was being fed disinformation from the Russians. And we also know that Putin is trying very hard to spread disinformation about Joe Biden. And so when you put the combination of Russia, Giuliani, the president together, um, it's just what it is. It's a smear campaign because he has nothing he wants to talk about. What
1: is he running on? What is he running on? So Joe Biden didn't get the question. Was that your was that your son's laptop? Were those your was that your son's emails? We get a stupid thing about Russian disinformation, which no one knows anything about. And if the Russians were doing that, it's apples and oranges. Nothing to do with Giuliani. The fact is, Giuliani actually going getting a copy of that when they reached out to him is the story. And if it's not the story, at the very least, Hunter Biden dropped these laptops off. Those were his signatures. And the FBI picked it up. They gave him a receipt for it. Mark, listening on the stream in the villages where the president just was. Hey, Mark. Hey, Brian. Two quick points. Um,
14: I just don't see how the polls has him losing with the amount of people that show up at these rallies, like thousands that showed up at the villages. And secondly, China and the Obama administration knew exactly what they were doing when they unleashed this. And you're going to find this out in the future if he gets another four years in office, because I strongly feel that they knew that this virus, if they unleashed it, that we were collateral damage in the amount of people that were killed, just like the last caller said, they, they don't care how many people die. As long as
1: they get what they want. Yeah, Mark, I don't even I don't think we should even touch that because saying that Democrats are responsible for a virus that's killed 200,000 people is way out there. Uh, But I will say that there's a lot of people who are suspicious about what could stop Donald Trump in his final year with an economy going that strong with no major war straight ahead and beating impeachment and the Mueller report. And then this thing comes. But I'm not one to think that Democrats are behind it. I don't think anyone can pull off a pandemic. I'm not ruling out the Chinese screwing around and not telling us being 100% responsible. They should be writing huge checks to all the all of our allies and some of our enemies. They're responsible. Uh, Peter, listen on WABC in Brooklyn, Peter.
14: Hey Brian, thank you. Um, You know, Brian, as we know, the uh, the media and the Democrats are trying to bury the president uh, based on this virus, and most especially the spike uh, that we're seeing now in the increased cases due to the increased testing. But something which I'm baffled about, I really hope that someone from the Trump administration is listening, because I was yelling at the TV during the debates, wondering why is the president not speaking about the fact that back in April he said he wants to control the opening and closing of uh, businesses throughout the country. And if you remember what happened, Cuomo and a lot
15: of the Democratic governors said it's unconstitutional, that's being a dictator, you cannot do that.
1: Absolutely, you're 100% right. He wasn't a dictator and he gets ridiculed anyway.
13: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
0: Information you want, truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Everyone knows this could be the most important election in our nation's history.
10: And the two choices couldn't be more different.
2: Do we want four more years of Donald Trump?
10: Or a fresh start with Joe Biden? I want to vote for Biden because he's better,
0: smarter. But I'm worried.
2: I'm worried too.
4: Because if Donald Trump isn't president...
0: Then what are we gonna talk about?
4: Like, what would our conversations even be? Because the only thing i talked about for four years is Donald Trump.
10: Every single day I tell someone, can you believe what Trump just said? My entire
6: personality is hating Donald Trump. If he's gone, what am I supposed to do? Focus on my
7: kids again? No thanks. I
2: argue with my dad every day about Trump. Before this,
7: we hadn't spoken in years. I used to watch civil rights videos and wonder what it would be like to live in those times. Now, thanks to Trump, I get it. What is the news even going to be about
10: now? I am really worried for Rachel Maddow. Like, what is she even going to talk about?
1: I think that's pretty funny. Uh, that is funny. I mean, if he does, if he does not win, that's going to be the talk. Well, Trump was more transparent. Trump would tell us what he's thinking. Why isn't they? Why are they putting out a tweet or something to tell us what's up? Uh, how come? Um, Uh, How come everyone's been so... uh, Why aren't people more direct? Why 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 isn't the president more transparent? You guys are getting a look at what Joe Biden would be like as a president. He is not quick. He does not have a lot of energy. A lot of the questions you have, he's going to be sitting there with surrogates, or he's not going to be setting policy at all. He's not going to be able to do two events in a day. He's not going to be having press conferences. Remember... It was very rare for Ronald Reagan, George W. Bush, even Barack Obama to get press conferences. This president's available every day in and out of Marine One. Kyle, listen on KZRG in Joplin, Missouri. Kyle.
18: Hey, Brian, thanks for taking my call. Listen, uh, just a couple of quick points here. Um, I am a Marine Corps veteran, a proud conservative, and I have a younger girlfriend who thinks that her vote just doesn't matter and doesn't like to get into the depth conversations about politics, but also refuses to see the irony in. The fact that because she's a single mother who has government assistance, she is bombarded with left-wing propaganda through the, through, uh, through the Postal Service. She's constantly getting advertisements.
1: You know, it's so interesting, Kyle. I, I, um, that this thing came to my email once. I never answer it, but it was like, click this button if you want Big Ten football. And I said, you know, what the heck? I clicked it. I said, Big Ten should come back, and they end up coming back. Do you know what it was? MoveOn.org. MoveOn.org was just blanketing people, and next thing you know, you're on their mailing list. And they get people in rundown areas, and you're on their mailing list because you have a address. And that's what they're hit with in school. Even the, the, these elite private schools, they want people to be embarrassed about who they are and what their background is, and they're apologizing for things. And the only way to have redemption is to get rid of this, this heathen called Donald Trump. And it's just you want people to open up, but I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think anyone's convincible. If you're still on the fence right now, I think that second debate would push you to Donald Trump's uh, direction. Bob was on WDBO in Orlando. Bob.
19: Yes, Brian. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Love all your books. Glad you did it all because I'm partially blind. But uh, what I wanted to make a comment about is Joe Biden and his packing of the court. How can he sit back and not say that he is not going to pack the court? when the liberals are going to take, care of the, take over the government. And I have a feeling that if he does get elected, that somehow they're going to find him incompetent and put Kamala Harris in.
1: I think so, too. I mean, there's no synergy between them. I don't even think they like each other. And the word is, he wanted the the governor from Michigan at the last minute. I'm thinking to myself, why would you want the governor of Michigan? You know how much pressure would be on her because he was under self-imposed pressure to pick a minority? Then he'd pick this uh, white woman from Michigan. She'd get some blowback. That's why Klobuchar pulled out. I'm thinking to myself, wait, I thought if Kamala Harris had this great relationship with your son, you would have loved to uh, bring her aboard, but you haven't. Why is she there? She was a terrible candidate. She— Extremely bright, but she's got a decent resume, attorney general as well as a senator. So there's nothing there. I don't know why else she's lined up. And keep in mind, too, let's say Joe Biden does win this election. And I'm not sure he is, believe me. But he does win. And let's say after a couple of years, he said, you know what? I'm getting a little older. I feel like I made my point. I feel like I put our country in the right direction. Here's Kamala Harris. Do you know not only will she finish out his term, she has an option to run two more. And I'm not saying she'd win. I'm not saying they're going to win, but that's what Teddy Roosevelt and Harry Truman walked away from. They didn't want any part of it. And uh, you know, there was after FDR when they decided we're not going to do that anymore. Uh, Tammy, listen, WDBO two. Hey, Tammy.
19: Hey, I just wanted to first tell you that my husband's read all your books and he's eagerly waiting for your next one. Okay. And next fall. The point, I wanted. Oh, awesome! I'll let him know. As a professional woman, I'm an engineer. I cannot giggle-away questions like a schoolgirl. And Democrats claim to speak for women, but they fail to present themselves in a way that I admire. And when I contrast Harris's performance last night with Amy Coney Barrett, Amy's an example of a leader that I can admire. And this is the presidency of the United States we're talking about. And I just didn't appreciate Harris's giggling. It's just very unprofessional, and it's not a leadership
1: quality, quite honestly. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, I know you don't want to hear it, but I want everyone at home to hear it because, you know, when people laughed and nervous, Hillary Clinton laughed. She was nervous. It was inordinate. Cut nine.
6: What I will do, and I promise you this, and this is what Joe wants me to do. This was part of our deal. I will always share with him my lived experience as it relates to any issue that we confront. And I promised Joe that I will give him that perspective and always be honest
7: with him. And is that a socialist or progressive perspective? No.
6: (laughs) No, it is the perspective of of a woman who grew up a a black child in America, who was also a prosecutor, who also has a mother who arrived here at the age of 19 from India, who also, you know, likes (laughs) hip-hop. What do you want to know?
7: Terrible. Terrible!
1: It's not even the answer to the question.
19: It's not. It's a shame. It it upsets me. Like I said, particularly as professional women, and we're talking about the presidency of the or vice presidency of the United States, and, and to conduct yourself in that manner, it doesn't represent. I, I think there's only a certain type of woman that the Democrats represent. The way they behaved. In Congress, uh, in the hearings for Amy Comey, there's such a contrast in her behavior and their behavior, and I just, I have no, I just can't admire them as someone as a role model. Amy Comey is an incredible role model for women, and she's smart and level-headed, presents herself with facts, but they're, they're a sham.
1: I agree. Uh, Thanks so much. And now they're going to have a committee to get together, have 180 days to revamp the. Uh, the broken court system. Broken according to who? Cam, uh, listening on WDBO2, Ocala in Gainesville, Florida. Hey, Cam.
12: Hey, Brian. Uh, real fast, you were talking about the uh, the VP choices. I think that uh, Joe Biden was shopping for a VP like he shops for a house, and he just went with the plumbing and the paint job. But what I wanted to say was, uh, I, was I had the privilege of being in the villages on Friday, and I heard the president speak. And he said something that I haven't heard anybody, including you, talk about. And that was that um, he said, with this pandemic, our economy has had the smallest contraction and the fastest recovery of all major nations. Why haven't we heard about that?
1: I don't know. know. I've not heard that. I have not heard those stats backed up. I'm sure it's based in something. And I know we have gotten a lot more jobs. But I also know there's so many people hurting right now. And I think the hospitality interest in, uh, industry in particular, as well as the airline industry, comes to mind. So I think we've got to find a way. I think the bigger story is how much we fell, how much, we fell, how much we've bounced back, and then what we're going to do. And now we're at the situation where Joe Biden thinks he could say a bunch of generic statements and he'll be the cure-all. And my answer is absolutely not. And if you want proof of it, everything that he's done, Trump has done. Number two is everything that he says he would have done, what's a more stricter mass mandate, France has done. Spain has done. Italy was being lauded. Their cases were so much worse. They have an older society, and look at the way they've bounced back. They're back to life as normal. And guess what we saw? Riots in Rome on Sunday because restrictions are coming back. They said no more gyms, no more restaurants. Joe, name the place where it works. Do you want to do what they did in China? Uh, jail people that spoke up against the government, lock people in their houses, bring them food. You tell them when they're going to go out. If a scientist steps up and says, I think this is worse, you put them in jail or you poison them. Tony, listen on WABC on Long Island. Tony. Good talk. Um, I don't know
17: if you were at that massive rally yesterday, here uh, yeah. now,
1: I was visiting but, colleges upstate New York. Uh, I, I, I can't go to rallies, uh, but I heard it was big. How would you describe it?
17: I would describe it as like a massive rally, the, the likes of which I've never seen. There were white, black, brown, Latinos all there, uh, all together, all on the same team. But what impressed me the most—it really impressed me, it made me feel hopeful. Is there were so many teenagers and early twenty kids, all excited, voting for the first time, and they were voting for Trump, and there were so many of them, and it just was very uplifting.
1: Well, Trump saluted you guys. He he, uh, he tweeted about Long Island and special thanks to the support in Long Island. So it, it's terrible. It's happening in New York City. That's where we are right now, but Long Island is bouncing back. Slight uptick, but is bouncing back pretty strong where people are actually eating indoors, Uh, people are, uh, for the most part, going to gyms. I think a lot of people are starting to do that again. So that's closer to normal, don't you think, Tony?
17: Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like... um... I feel, yes, I feel like we're almost normal. That's what I feel like. I mean, we still have the social distancing in stores and the masks and everything, but everything's open. Everything's open, and we're doing fine. We're doing absolutely fine.
1: All right, and the president says, I want to try for New York, because people are telling him, you have no shot, Mr. President. Let's focus elsewhere. Uh, Tony, if uh, I'm seeing some of that video, it looks like he, d- he definitely can win Long Island. I'll tell you that. Uh, thanks, Tony. Uh, Jake, K-R-M-G. Jake, Oklahoma.
10: Hey, how's it going, Brian? Good. Um, got a quick question for you. Actually, uh, more of a statement. Uh, voted for Trump in 2016. Kind of saw a lot of things I didn't like, but then coming into the uh, to this term and how he ha- how he handled COVID. I understand we were getting a lot of our information from Europe, from China. A lot of it was uh, kind of diluted, so we didn't know really what to expect. And I I give him a ton of grace in that beginning, first stages. But since then. There has been a massive lack of leadership. I have people within my life who are insanely at high risk. My dad being one, double transplant recipient. Right. And this, th- there, there isn't this leadership. I don't. I, it's not a political thing within the virus. People are dying. Period. And so, when whenever you get this situation, all Trump would have to do to unite this country is to have a common goal. Like, be like, listen. This is something we can all get under the the same helm. Whether you agree with it or not, whether you want to wear a mask or not, I don't care. There are people still dying. So if you have somebody coming in, and he he had the opportunity to really take that gauntlet and to take take the, uh, the opportunity to bring everybody together and not create more division. So this whole everything's blowing out, everybody's saying, oh, everything's back to normal. It feels like normal. Um, I can't wait till twenty twenty is over, or once the election's is over, COVID is just going to magically go away. It is not. But as I don't know what you, you want. What do you worker, want me to do?
1: Would you want him to do you want him to have a national mask mandate?
10: I, I, I don't know. That's about my pay grade. So, but, what, but what I don't like, I,
1: basically the, the Anthony Fauci is saying the same thing in every, you know, every uh, small podcast with Steph Curry. He hops on, he'll say, "Well, six feet away, I got to urge you to wear a mask and you know, and wash your hands." All right, okay. And you want President Trump to say that every day? If you want him to get numbers out and says, listen, we you need as a country under one, could you? Yeah. But at the same time, you have to understand it's not a vacuum. You get up every day, you go to the microphone, what didn't he say? Why is he not doing this? What's he What's he going here? How could he have missed this? Bob Woodward writes a book. Uh, why aren't you telling everyone how bad this is? Well, we're already having a run on the stewards. We're already having a run on the banks. you got people, we're shutting down an entire economy. Do you want to panic people more? He added, that's leadership. You might not like the leadership, but that was leadership. And then he said, let me put my scientists in charge, my vice president in charge of acquisitions and state liaisons, and let's start getting people the states what they need. And the best I can, let's talk about lifting people up. That's a style of leadership, but it's not no leadership. But I understand the frustration, but please tell me the country that has it down. And to me, Taiwan and South Korea aren't great examples because uh, one's an island with a totally sealed off border and one's a total island. Uh, we're going to come back and I'm going to play a cut from somebody at CNN who said nice things about the president and an impactful statement about the president. And I bet you everybody over there is angry at him. Back in a moment.
0: There's no topic he won't touch. And there's no opinion he won't engage. one of the great joys of my life. (laughs) Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show.
13: It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to to your
0: ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. For the black community and, you know, uh, Opportunity Zone stuff black college st- stuff. I work with him on criminal justice stuff. I saw Donald Trump have African American people formally incarcerated in the White House, embraced them, treated them well. There's a side to Donald Trump that I think he does not get enough credit
10: for.
1: That is Van Jones. And he said, I know liberals are going to hate me for this, but I'm going to say that because it is true. And do you realize when, do- when Van Jones criticized the president, you know, blacklash. I thought he was over the top then. But when he criticized the president, he has much more credibility because he points out when he agrees with him. When everything he does is wrong, no one's going to listen to you anymore. Why CNN doesn't get that, I don't get. Let's find out if there's even more to know.
0: More to know.
1: Ice Cube, I'm not playing politics by working with Trump. I am just trying to get things done for African Americans. It's called the Platinum Plan. He talked to Chris Wallace about it. And this is what he had to say.
14: They listened, heard what I had to say, and um, pumped up their plan and presented it to the people. I told everybody that, you know, I'm not playing politics with this. No matter who's the president, I'm going to get up and go to work in the morning.
1: That is so great. I mean, he said he sat down there and talked for three hours. First... Uh, 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 Jared Kushner explained to us today on Fox and Friends. First they had feelers for each other, they had mutual friends. Then they talked directly and then he invites him down and they talk for three hours and there are elements of it, because I couldn't do all of it, but there are elements of it, were put in right away.
8: And I mean, going back to the cut we played last week, right? He said both, Ace Cube said both campaigns reached out to him, but only one campaign wanted to talk right now. Trump Biden said, We'll talk after the election. Why not? Well, he's not doing anything. Yeah. You couldn't hop on a Zoom call with ice tea, ice cube. And he's jumping on Instagram with every other celebrity out there who wants to say they'll vote for him, so why not?
1: Yeah, Cardi B. Wow. She's really gonna put together a positive program that's gonna change the country. This guy's an entrepreneur. Remember he started his own basketball league too. Next. Felicia Huffman completes her college admission scandal. I didn't know even though she was in jail. Remember, she's fifty seven years old. She served eleven days in prison after being sentenced to Fourteen. She was also sentenced to 250 hours of community service for paying off colleges to put her daughter into school.
8: Yeah, remember, we covered that, I mean, it was months ago at this point, right, that she only served a brief amount of time. And um, But yes, yeah, so now she did her community service, so her debt is paid to society.
1: Right? You realize, I'm sure no one did this this year. Don't you agree? Don't you think this scene would happen with her and others, no one's doing this anymore?
8: Well, also, I mean, you can't pay to get your kid on a sports team right now. There's no sports. You know
1: oh. I'm thinking if uh, America <laughs> could learn a lesson, and you're thinking of practicality. Hard to get that rowing scholarship when they won't let you in the water without an oar. Hey, go to com or the podcast and com. Get any of my books signed, sealed, and delivered to you. You got to pay first
13: from the fox news Podcasts network download and listen to the one with craig gutfeld the co-host of the five like you've never heard him before you know him you love him you want to be like him subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com live from the fox
0: news radio studios in new york city fresh off the set of fox and friends it's america's receptive voice brian kilmeade
1: Hi, everybody from New York and heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I appreciate you being with us. And I'll just get rid of all the feedback that we're getting, if that's indeed possible. Uh, 1-866-408-7669, the number to be on the show. We appreciate everyone being out with us today. Uh, What a weekend, Uh, a weekend that did not slow down. The President of the United States did about seven appearances, and he seemed so happy in all of them. You would think he's up by 20 points, but he's also outworking Joe Biden, who spoke to about two dozen cars on Saturday. And I think he took most of Sunday off, did a few virtual appearances. And let me see, where will he be today? I have it written down somewhere. Where will he be? It's really complicated. Wait a second. He'll be in his basement again. Can you imagine this? Eight days into the election, he is actually home again. Uh, you'll have uh, the vice president is in Minnesota. The vice president's going to be in North Carolina, South Carolina, and North Carolina again. The president of the United States is going to be Allentown. He's going to be there shortly. Uh, Lititz, Pennsylvania, right after that. And Martinsburg, Pennsylvania, right after that on Tuesday. Uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nebraska. And on Wednesday, Uh, Bullhead City, Arizona, and Goodyear, Arizona. The guy's not giving up on any state. So let's get to the big three.
0: Now with the stories you need to know,
2: it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The Supreme Court is expected to have nine justices again by tonight. The Senate is ready to confirm appeals court judge Amy Coney Barrett to replace Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who died last month.
1: Uh, There you go. Supreme vote. Amy Coney Barrett is about to get her official nomination confirmed about seven o'clock tonight. What will that mean for the legacy, the election, and the incomprehensible imprint of the Trump team on the U.S. court system? Number two.
3: Overnight, another 60,000 new cases of coronavirus were reported across the country. There were single-day records of over 80,000 cases on Friday and Saturday. Right now, not a single state in the U.S. is trending in the right direction.
1: COVID cases are climbing at home and abroad. Is this the issue that the election turns on? Two choices, fight through it or hide from it. We're gonna look at how more and more nations are dealing with shutdowns, lockdowns, and rising cases. The China virus continues to plague.
15: Number one.
4: And the real question's gonna be, When Joe Biden made the comment about the oil and gas industry as we sit in Pennsylvania um, at that debate, um, is that going to be a difference maker here in Pennsylvania? He's now said it and he challenged the president to put video up saying he wanted to get rid of fracking. And the president put about four different clips up there on that.
1: Yeah, uh, how'd that go? Eight days in County until Election Day. While Biden strolled through October... Trump rallied, 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 and is beginning to show some progress, according to some polls in North Carolina, Florida, and Georgia in particular. And you get those three, the rest come rolling. Social media and celebrities are against him. Uh, There is everybody in the media seems to be against him. And, of course, you have the Democratic Party and international community against him. But Sleepy Joe keeps putting a lid on his campaign. For me, that's leaving a wide-open opportunity for Donald Trump, who wants to flat out just outwork you. So he sat down with Leslie Stahl over the weekend. I'm not going to take too much time here because we have Secretary of Energy Dan Bruette around the bend. And uh, he, of course, wants to take on and outline what exactly they've accomplished, making us an exporter of energy, first time ever. And also the fact that if fracking stops, if it's kept off federal land, if it's, not longer, if it's no longer allowed to expand, if you're going to destroy fossil fuels, uh, look out uh, to millions and millions who have jobs. If you want to see the tone and temper of Donald Trump sitting down with Leslie Stahl. Keep in mind, before they sat down, she was already promising a fight. Cut one. Well, I think we've well, what done about a great these... job with
20: COVID.
8: Sir, excuse me, cases are up in about 40 okay, states. You know why
1: cases are
20: up also? Because we do more testing. The fake news media loves to say cases are up. The fact is, we've done a very, very good job. Cases are up. We have done, that's right, because we're doing so much testing.
8: When you're out there saying we've turned the corner, this thing is disappearing, That's and right. people can see people can see cases going up all over the in the Midwest, in the Mountain West. Record numbers of we cases in some corner. states.
20: We understand the disease. We understand the elderly, and we are taking care of them like nobody's ever taken care of them. So we are taking care of our people.
1: And he's trying to settle her down. They talk for thirty minutes, and after a while, he just gets up. Cut to.
8: You said the other day to suburban women, will you please like me, please, please? Oh, I didn't
1: say that. You know,
20: that's so misleading, the way I say jokingly, suburban women, you should love me because I'm giving you security and I got rid of the worst regulation. See, the way you said that... Yeah. ...is why people think of you and everyone else as fake news. I said, kiddingly, suburban women, women, you should love me. I got rid of a regulation that would bring low-income housing into suburbia that is destroying, that would destroy suburbia. And I said that in a joking way. The way you have it, it's like, oh, like I'm begging. I'm kidding. Play it. And I'm kidding. That is such a misleading question, Leslie. But you're
8: behind with suburban women in the polls. I
1: doubt
20: it.
8: I doubt it. I
1: really doubt it. But they say he is down by that, but that's what he was having fun about it. That's what makes him unique. He doesn't come out and try to avoid this topic and avoid that topic. He comes out and lets it fly. That's not in the prompter. So I, I read that everywhere, with Leslie Stoll, uh, what Leslie Stahl was referring to, the president's begging. He'd come down to begging burn women. I'm thinking to myself, they probably just read it. They didn't listen to it. The same thing with Russia. If you have Hillary's emails, the $32,000, let, let me know. Let me know what's going on. They say, well, why are you asking Russia? He's kidding. Why Why don't people have any sense of humor or even know and figure out his personality yet? But you compare that to the tone and temper of the informative interview from nora O'Donnell, I found it unbelievably emblematic of the big problem with his two campaigns. But people don't want to hear complaining, especially in the middle of a pandemic, especially with this economic strife that's out there. And let me just update you. The market is now down 624 points. Why? Well, there's no coronavirus deal over the horizon, And it looks as though these cases are going up. And some hospitals are strained, some in Wisconsin in particular. And they're asking for a cool down in the sports bars and other things uh, in that nature. So here's Joe Biden. He is talking about, to me, consequential issues. Like, how is he going to react if Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed, which he's going to be today? And his answer, I think, is really chilling. And I rarely use that term because he doesn't want to admit that he's going to pack the court. It's too simple. It actually could be worse. He actually wants to do something even more abhorrent. Can we hear that?
5: If elected, what I will do is I'll put together a national commission of, bipartisan commission of scholars, constitutional scholars, Democrats, Republicans, liberal, conservative. And I will uh, ask them to, over uh, 180 days, come back to me with recommendations as to how, to uh, reform the court system because it's getting out of whack, um, the way in which it's ha- being handled. And it's not about court packing. There's a number of other things that our constitutional scholars have debated, and I'd look to see what recommendations that commission might make.
7: So you're telling us you're going to s- study this issue about whether to pack the court.
5: No, whether there's a number of alternatives that are go well beyond packing. This is a live ball. Oh, it is a live ball. No, it is a live ball. We're going to have to do that. And you're going to find there's a lot of conservative constitutional scholars are saying it as well. The last thing we need to do is turn the Supreme Court into just a political football. Whoever has the most votes gets whatever they want. Presidents come and go. Supreme Court justices stay for generations.
1: We know, and it's always worked like that. Why is it out of whack? You left these vacancies there. It's been filled by President Trump. Not all of these judges are filled in all the seats because they were dragged out by Senator Schumer. Now, I don't love that the Republicans locked out President Obama's nominees, all of them, but for a while they did. And that's what happens when you lose the Senate. People know when they vote for a senator, the majority could go either way, and that's part of it. And part of it is the majority now. And part of it is a lot of people could step up and say, well, let me say this, 23 Republicans up to retain their seats. If I don't like what Republicans are doing, I'm going to take it out on my personal senator. I'm going to flip parties. If they don't, they're also telling you something. But Joe Biden doesn't like that. When we come back, we talk something else Joe Biden doesn't like. He won't admit it. doesn't like fracking. He doesn't really want to deal with fossil fuels. He says it's about subsidies. I think it's really about his left wing, which says it's time to get rid of cows, planes, oil, and gas. That really doesn't bode well for millions of people in the car industry, millions of people in the oil industry, millions of people in the gas industry, and a lot of frackers. Don't move.
0: Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade.
13: With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real.
0: This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Would you close it down falls. the oil industry? By the industry?
5: way, I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I would transition. A big it is, is a big statement. That's a big Because statement. I would stop. Why would you do that? Because the oil industry pollutes significantly. Well, I said, here's the deal. But That's you a big statement. Well, if you let me finish the statement, because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time, over time.
1: How much time and what does that mean for millions of millions of people that have jobs in the oil industry from the driller to even the receptionists at Exxon? Dan uh, uh, Brulette, Brulette is Secretary of Energy with the Trump administration, joins us now. Mr. Secretary, thanks so much.
14: Thank you, Brian. Great to be with you.
1: So first off, describe what has happened... Uh, under the Trump years, you haven't been there all three years. But what have you guys done for the energy business? A lot of people just say, "Hey, wait a second. We were on. We were en route to becoming energy independent. You guys just continued the same policy. Is that the truth?"
14: Oh no, not not by a long shot, Brian. Uh, you know, when when my predecessor and I came in in 2017, uh, Secretary Rick Perry, I was a deputy secretary at the time. The president was very direct with us, and he said, "Look, here's the policy I want to pursue." He described it in very simple words. All of the above, you produce all of the energy that we can possibly produce here in America. And over those three years, we have moved from becoming an importing nation to an exporting nation. In 2020, we became a net energy exporter. First time in my lifetime, Brian, that that's happened.
1: 2017?
14: No, no, no. In 2020, we became a net energy exporter. I yeah, I came to the DOE as deputy secretary in 2017. But it was back then that the president was very clear right. in his direction. His goal at that point in time was to make us energy independent, and that's exactly what we've done.
1: What role did fracking have in that success?
14: Enormous, an enormous role. I mean, this is the technology that allowed us to become the number one producer of oil and gas in the, in the world. So now we're larger than Saudi Arabia, larger than Russia. And that's given us not only economic opportunities here in the United States, in places like Pennsylvania, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Texas, Ohio, it's produced energy security and national security for the nation. It's given us foreign policy options that we didn't have just a decade ago. So it's a very, very important technology. And, you know, I, I would dare say that You know, it is the technology that has produced the economic boom over the last three years.
1: So is it a big deal that Joe Biden wants to ban it and then upon further review says just ban it on federal land?
14: Oh, it's an enormous deal. Uh, You know, what it would do is move us back to dependence on foreign nations. It moves us back into a state of dependence on the Middle East. And it's really a fundamental question, Brian, that Americans need to ask themselves. Is that where we want to go back? Is that what we want to go back to? And, uh, you know, the amount of jobs lost would be enormous. And I I have to tell you, after listening to the comments in Washington, D.C., look, the past administration, they nearly killed coal. They did everything they possibly could to kill coal. So when they say that they want to kill oil and gas, a word to the wise, believe them.
1: And when they say that we're going to stop giving subsidies to the oil and gas industry, what kind of subsidies do they receive now?
14: Look, it's all, all industries receive certain tax incentives to do certain things. So that's not a new circumstance. It certainly uh, pales in comparison to what other industries receive in terms of tax benefits. We all know the story about Solyndra. We all know the story about the subsidies that go to some of the renewable industries in America today. And some of these subsidies are so extreme that they allow these industries to price their electricity in certain cases at below zero pricing. And when that happens, Brian, you know that if a competitor comes in pricing his product at below zero, everyone else is uneconomic at that point. So, you know, the, the, the subsidy question is one uh, that's interesting, but, uh, you know, it, it it is far more uh, prevalent on the renewable side than it is on the uh, fossil energy side.
1: We're talking Energy Secretary Dan uh and Dan, we're, we're talking about what the other countries are doing. You mentioned coal, because we have uh, leveled off on coal because they say it's not good for the environment. Does that mean China has? Because I've read some places where there's about a thousand new coal plants in China.
14: No, that's absolutely correct, Brian. You know, developing nations uh, in China, I wouldn't consider to be a developing nation at this point, but developing nations around the world are using coal because it's cheap and we figured out ways. We have been innovative with our technologies that we can now use these facilities very, very cleanly. I visited a coal facility in Japan that was in a residential neighborhood and the emissions from that facility were actually less than many of the natural gas facilities here in the United States. And and that's what we need to do, is to continue this innovation approach that President Trump has led, rather than the regulation approach, which would be, I think, the approach that others would take.
1: Listen, no one is uh, for a dirty environment. What types of things are you guys doing anyway with the environment in mind when it comes to energy?
14: no No one supports dirty water and dirty air. So, you know, let's just state that up front. We're all working toward the same goal. The question is, how do you get there? Are you going to innovate your way there? Are you going to use new technologies? We've developed technologies today that strips carbon off of the uh, emissions of a coal facility, for instance. We can strip the carbon emissions off of a natural gas facility. Coal, I mean, carbon is now becoming a commodity. We take that carbon after it's stripped, and the oil industry uses it to enhance its recovery of oil from these reserves that we have here in the United States. So it's become a commodity more so than a pollutant. And that's the type of innovation we want to encourage. And, you know, the track record on doing that is absolutely phenomenal. You know, we've grown our economy over the course of the last 10 or 15 years by roughly 17%. During that same period, we've reduced carbon emissions from energy sources by roughly 14%. So think about that. we've grown the economy and we've reduced carbon emissions. No other country in the world can make that claim credibly.
1: and I understand that the stock market's going down now, and part of the people uh, and some of the stocks I know you don't get into the stock market, but the energy stocks are taking a pounding now. There's a fear that he could win, and no one's buying that that the former vice president is going to leave fossil fuels alone that he was that he was misinterpreted.
14: no one should buy it, as I said earlier. Look, you know, when they say they will kill oil and gas, they mean it. They've done it with coal here in the United States. And uh, no, one should, no one should misquote them. No one should uh, ignore their words. It's very, very important. And, you know, Brian, as we look around the world, there are enormous export opportunities for this industry. Our own Department of Energy tells us internally two-thirds of the world energy in 2040 will be from oil and gas two-thirds of the world energy will be oil and gas in 2040. That's an enormous economic opportunity for the United States of America to provide that energy.
1: Yeah, and, and by the way, the Nord Stream pipeline, which is natural gas from Russia, the crack pipe of Russia, we could actually provide that natural gas, correct?
14: Absolutely. If only we could build export facilities a little quicker here in the United States. You know, we have environmental activists who want to put their foot on the throat of the infrastructure development here in the United States. They block pipelines. They block export facilities. Those are, again, the facilities Mm -hmm. that we need to replace Russian gas in Europe. And, uh, you know, again, an enormous opportunity for the workers in Pennsylvania and and the workers in in Ohio to to provide that energy. And
1: and 609,000 jobs in Pennsylvania, where the president is right now. Thanks, Mr. Secretary. Appreciate the insight.
16: Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.
0: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
19: It makes me literally sick to my stomach to think that we'd have four more years of this abuse and destruction of our institutions and damaging of our norms and our values and lessening of our leadership, and the list goes on.
1: Uh, That was Hillary Clinton. For some reason, I don't think she's voting for uh, Donald Trump again. So even though she's not on the ballot, it's a bit of a surprise. Uh, Joining us now is uh, Brett Baer, uh, fresh off the final debate coverage, getting set for the Election Day coverage. Uh, Brett getting as a political anchor for Fox News. I guess this is uh D day for you.
15: Yeah, it is crunch time. Uh and it is a time where we are, you know, obviously looking at polls but also looking at um, a whole bunch of different races as the balance of power hangs in the Senate as well. Let me uh, let me just say one thing about uh coming back from Nashville. Uh got uh somebody in proximity uh to us. Tested positive a few days later for COVID, so we're taking all the precautions. I've tested negative three times now, and um, be doing the show from home uh, this week, and uh, we'll be in preparation for uh, for election day.
1: Yeah, you got to make sure you're ready for November third.
15: Yeah, listen, I mean it's a huge, huge deal, and it's uh, you know we it might not just be November third; it might be uh, you know much more than that, depending on how this race goes. Listen, you look at these polls, uh, Biden's still holding up um, in some of these places, if you believe the polls. And, and you have to believe that all of them are wrong. Um, Trafalgar Group is the only real poll that has uh, Trump up in some of these key battleground states. You know, in Hillary Clinton uh, in 2016, we started to see just a little slippage uh, in this time right now—nine, eight, seven days before the election. Um, so far, we're not seeing that with Biden, but again, we'll see.
1: Uh, his interesting way of 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 working by not working. I mean, he's not doing anything today. I think he might do some virtual. And on Tuesday, he's got something in Georgia, so he's got uh, Warm Springs, and he's going to be in Atlanta. Uh, that'll be on Tuesday. And Harris has got something in Nevada, uh, two events in Nevada. But the president right now with a packed house in Pennsylvania, he's got three events in Pennsylvania today. He's feeling good about the eternal polls. I know you talk to people all the time. I talked to people over the weekend, and then CBS poll reflected what they were telling me is that it's really a dead heat in Georgia, North Carolina, and Florida. And you might be saying, wow, he's got to – well, he had them last time. Well, all well, three of them were tight last time, right? And, and a lot of people were saying he was going to lose North Carolina and Florida even up to Election Day.
15: That's right. I mean, it was um, two, three points. Um, And, you know, if you look at where he outperformed on Election Day as compared to where he was, let's just say a week out, um, you know, he's in position to take the states that he took. Uh, And it might be a different configuration, but still very possible. I would say if you're saying today, uh, Biden still has the advantage. Um, At least the way the picture looks and that snapshot, as we know, in some of these states, if you swing two, three points, uh, it goes the other way.
1: It does. And how significant is it that the president, that uh, vice president made another mistake, I think, yelling out to the cars, uh, called them chumps uh, over the weekend? You see him pacing bizarrely behind his wife while she was talking. He got a few numbers wrong over the weekend in an interview he called uh, Donald Trump George, meaning I guess George Bush was on his mind. Is this the type of reason why you think that he's sitting back? Do you think that if it wasn't for the pandemic, he'd still be sitting back?
15: That's a great question. All, all I know is that no major presidential candidate that we've seen nine days out has no events as of this hour for this day. Um, that's pretty... Astonishing. I mean, he's not preparing for a debate. You know, that's. I mean, you could be preparing for election night, but uh, nine days out, there's a lot of swing states to go to. That said, I mean, we're hearing he's going to to Georgia. Uh, Kamala Harris is going to Texas, Um, so they're expanding the map, and they're obviously advertising in a lot of different states, and obviously feel comfortable. But his schedule. Uh, is really something. I think that that 60 Minutes interview with Nora O'Donnell, I think she did a really good job, you know, asking substantive, pressing questions uh, and ones that elicited some interesting responses, especially with Senator Harris. Um, you know, her reaction to, you know, you are, according to a nonpartisan group, the most liberal voting senator. You know, will you bring that into a White House to affect policy? And you know, she laughed and, and you know that exchange really was interesting.
1: Uh there's fifty eight million people probably over that today have voted already, it's already surpassed with the last time. Here's what Chris Christie said about the impact that people are looking past, cut fourteen.
4: I think what you've seen, though, in places like Pennsylvania and Florida, that since the last election, voter registration by Republicans in those key states is two to three times as great as it was with Democrats. And we also know that because of some of the things the president has said about mail-in voting, that Republicans have been slower in returning those ballots.
1: And that's why more Democrats are showing up. But I would add to this too: is nobody thinks uh, that the Democrats match the Republican ground game? They didn't have one. So Republicans are the ones who decide to knock on doors, they say, responsibly.
15: Yeah, you, this battle will come down to literally get out the vote. And what we've seen is the ground game for Republicans, as you said, has been much more uh, robust. And, and Democrats in some states felt like they were not even you know, doing a national kind of out, get-out-the-vote effort on the ground or registering people. Republicans have out registered Democrats in many different states, but the early vote lead may be enough. It depends on who shows up on election day and uh, that's where you know the roles have shifted, and Republicans are going to come you know if if the Trump campaign has their their wish. They're going to come out of the woodwork, and it's going to be enough to overtake this lead. I mean, in some states like North Carolina, you can go to the Secretary of State's website, and it's really, really detailed as far as the lead Democrats have now uh, in the early vote. And you have unaffiliated voters. So if let's say you split those 50-50. Um, you know, the Republicans have some some ground to make up.
1: But I will say this. We, we're assuming Democrats vote for the Democrat and the Republicans vote for the Republicans. We don't know that.
15: No, that's true. You don't. But I'm just saying it gives you a, a yeah. good picture of numbers.
1: So a uh, couple of things. The other big story is the pandemic, maybe the biggest. Uh, we are uh, up in cases 248% since September 1st. 31 states are in the so-called red zone. 11 states have single-day records. And Wisconsin in particular... Uh, Seven different counties are in the red zone to the point where uh, the hospitals are really getting filled up. As a battleground state, that matters. But before you answer about what this means, I think it's very notable, too, what's happening around the world. Remember they said, wow, if America only had the discipline of Europe, we wouldn't have the problems. We'd be back to normal life. And now France has over nine cities that have basically been shut down because of 50,000 new infections uh, a fourth day running, that is a new record. Germany, which a lot of people were saluting, they have a surge in cases. They're calling it a surge. In Poland, they've doubled. In Spain, they have also start with brand-new restrictions, a curfew at 11 o'clock. In Italy, there were riots in Rome as they closed down gyms, pools, theaters, uh, restaurants, and movies. So if who, who has got it right? Outside China, which I don't think we really want to take that model. And I don't know if I believe anything coming out of there. They used to just say, well, if we had a different president, but what do you like, Macron? Do you like Boris Johnson? Do you like Angela Merkel? They're all wrestling with it.
15: Yeah. No, it's a, it's a worldwide challenge, um, clearly because of our population, because of our density, because of how each state deals with it differently. Um, our spike, when we get one, goes up faster and bigger. Um, and does it have to? No. But the therapeutics have affected the death rate um, more, but you see hospitalizations go up. I think that the cases is a bad number to look at you know number of cases yep, I think that the hospitalizations is far more concerning, and the ability to ha- handle the the influx. I read that El Paso, Texas is doing a its own shutdown because the hospital there is is overwhelmed uh, I think that uh, you know, the hospitalization number is one to look at. And then the death rate number as a country, how are we doing as far as um, deaths and the ability to 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 stop that? I think it's uh, the when a vaccine comes out, it keeps keeps going to this back and forth of when it's coming out. Um, And that's that's an issue. It's gone very fast. Operation Warp Speed has. But the realization of a vaccine is really what um, Fauci and others, CDC are talking about.
1: It's hard not to see the markets down 700 points as we speak now, Brett. And a lot of those reasons, one of is it looks like lack of progress on the stimulus plan. That could be one. Uh, What do you think the other reasons are? I know energy stocks are paying the price. That's another. And I think the coronavirus cases going up plays a role. Do you think all three of those things, am I missing something?
15: No, I think that that's it. And then I do think Fauci was out this morning saying that he didn't think that a vaccine, like, really for people in America is going to come out until the end of 2021. Um, That's a big jump from the end of 2020. So... um, yeah, all of these things adding up is not a a great, great picture. Uh, they need some kind of positive news to change that around. The politics on Capitol Hill is, is ridiculous. I mean, both sides are saying the other side should be caving. Um, but that's not how negotiation works. And, um, you know, Dick Durbin was on the floor of the Senate the other day saying, you know, we should not be arguing on the Senate floor about... Amy Coney Barrett and this confirmation, we should be getting COVID stimulus, something, at least something across the finish line. Well, meantime, days late, earlier, he voted against even debating the GOP COVID stimulus bill of $500 billion. $500 billion is not the $2.2 trillion, but it's clearly something. And at least you could debate it, so it's a little you know on both sides. There's a lot of hypocrisy.
1: Brett Baird, thanks so much. Lastly, uh, before I let you go, Mark Meadows, uh, I actually I'm going to hold that because we only have one more topic. Amy Coney Barrett getting uh, getting confirmation tonight, seven around seven o'clock. They expected to put it up for vote, and everybody except uh, every Republican except Susan Collins expected to vote for him. In response, Joe Biden says, "Look." I am going to put together a committee. Sounds like simpson balls Part Two. In 180 days, they're going to get back to me to fix our broken court system because it's all messed up. Man, that could mean anything. And do, since when is it agreed upon that the court system's messed up?
15: When Republicans started winning and putting justices on the Supreme Court and yeah. putting filling vacancies with uh, conservative judges, I think. Um, you know, you win elections and that changes the dynamic. But if for the Supreme Court, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell was on the floor yesterday saying this is something that has lasting impact, you know, and it will be good for the country in his view. Uh, and he did slip in there that, you know, the next election will likely undo a lot of what we've done. And that was not the most most optimistic statement on the floor of the Senate for this upcoming election for Republicans, but his point was it has a lasting impact. And I think this is a huge deal. It is a deliverable. It is something that obviously Republicans, conservatives have been pushing for. I don't know if there will be enough to fire them up to uh, take Trump over the finish line.
1: All right, Brad, I know it's going to be a little bit of a challenge being in separate locations. I know that I'm doing the five tonight, and I think me and Dagan are the only ones in studio. I think everybody else has been fanned out since Juan uh, Juan, and Dana, I guess, are in the same situation as you.
15: Yeah, you know, I listen, to Fox's credit, they have gone above and beyond uh, for protocols and really safety. And uh, I think they're they're doing that now.
1: Absolutely, uh, Brett Baird. Thanks so much. All right, see you. All right. Uh, when we come back, uh, your phone calls 7669 four zero eight seven six six nine. We'll finish up with you. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
0: Diving deep into today's top stories. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
1: Brian Kilmeade, welcome back. one 408 7669 Just got to remind you, I'll be on The Five tonight in case you're not watching Fox Nation where you see the stream on BrianKilmeadeShow.com. If you ever miss the show where you can only see a small portion or hear a small portion and you want to get the podcast, you go to Spotify too. You can go to iTunes, iHeart. It is all there. Uh, Terry, listen, WSKV in Florida. Hey, Terry.
14: Hey, Brian. Great show as usual. Um, I believe in what was done at the beginning with locking down to stop the spread, but I feel that we're at a point right now where it's self-responsibility. We do this to help ourselves with the flu and the cold, so, I mean, how the heck did we survive the swine flu and the Ebola virus? We took self-responsibility.
1: I know. We've we got to urge that. But if someone doesn't wear a mask, it's Donald Trump's fault. I mean, could he be wearing masks? Could he be pushing social distancing? Uh, could he be pushing people arm's length away? Could he be put circles on the ground and still have his rallies? Yeah. But I'm not really thinking that that's going to stop any major surge. I've sensed the virus has a vote, too. And what you're referring to is the flu. Evidently, the flu rates are down 95 percent, 95 percent. I think that's worthy of a study. Joe listening on W.A.B.C. Hey, Joe.
18: I get, thanks, finally, taking my call. I appreciate it very much. Great show. Uh, listen, I think Trump, uh, he's got eight more days. He's got to come out and do a mea culpa regarding the COVID because he's the greatest president in terms of... What's a mayor culpa? President. What do you want to
1: hear him say? Uh,
18: simply state that, look, uh, uh, people have been, especially fake news uh, uh, personnel, have been taking me... As if I were uh, saying, oh, be blasé, don't worry about it. But uh, indeed, you got to uh, follow the uh, letter of the uh, protocols, etc., uh, because it's imperative. You wear your masks, uh, you keep the distance, wash your hands, and follow all the uh, procedures, uh, processes, as per recommendations by the experts. Uh, also, right. another thing. Uh, listen, are you there, Brian? Brian? Yeah, uh, Brian. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, listen, he's uh, tremendous. I don't know anybody who's more patriotic than uh, President uh, uh, Trump, and he's got all the points, all the issues. I
1: hear you, Joe. I got you. I got to get to other calls too. Phil, listen, WHIO in Dayton, Ohio. Phil.
18: Hey, Brian. How's it going? Thanks for taking
16: my call.
1: What's on your mind, Phil?
16: Hey, I was just wondering, you know, Trump has all
12: this enthusiasm going. What do you think about the possibility of him getting the popular vote?
1: Not yet. Uh, I like to see where he's at in the state. If I could start seeing some incremental gains, which I think we are seeing, then we talk about the popular vote. But the problem is California and the problem is New York. Uh, Sharon, KSEV in Houston, Texas. Sharon.
19: Hi Brian, I just would like to ask, why are we even having this discussion about oil and gas industry? Because they are so essential; they are not going away. Airplanes will not fly on wind energy. You can't build charging stations for electric cars. They you could, still need oil and gas energy production. In that, that um, you have Sharon, Sharon, and I know,
1: but they could, they could squeeze it, they could suffocate it, they could choke it out, the same way they did coal. Rod, Florida. Hey Rod.
14: Thanks for taking my phone. I'm making it real quick here. I just completed a journey of 3,000 miles from Florida up to Pennsylvania and back. Uh, Trump signs at least 50 to 1. Uh, only three large Biden signs. That's it. That's it. The
11: whole way.
1: 3, and that's with a lot of people concerned about if they put a lawn sign on, they're going to get their house defiled when they're not there, or their car is going to get destroyed if they put a bumper sticker on, and you still see more lawn signs, right?
2: 1,200 miles up, I counted Biden signs 10. <laughs> people's lawns. Now that was a lot on the interstate. Um, if you're traveling from Florida to Georgia, the best thing is a billboard.
1: Gotcha. Rod, thanks so much. Appreciate all the calls. We'll get to whoever's left on the on the line. We'll be first next time. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Keep it here. BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Order it all.